Hello everyone and welcome back to Briar Rose Chapter 12. Let's continue. Knox and I take the employee elevator to the basement. After that, he shows me to an old broom closet. He opens the door and gestures for me to walk inside. I give him the stink eye. That's a broom closet? No, it's not. There's an elevator in there. Are you sure? I saw the architectural plans on this building. I don't bother adding that I did it as an acker. There's no elevator in this spot. Knox gives me another lopsided smile. Hacked up. Is that a real phrase? I mean, unless you're a cat. I'm serious. I set my fists on my hips. I'm not walking into a sketchy broom closet with you, even if you are handsome. Crap. I said that out loud, didn't I? His black brows jet up. So I'm handsome, yeah? I'd facepalm myself if it wouldn't make things worse. You know you are. Knox chuckles all low and sexy-like, which is super distracting. Okay, fine. Get closer. I'll show you. I take what can only be described as mincing steps to stand in the doorway. I prop the door open with my shoulder as Knox strides inside and flicks on the light switch. The room is a small concrete box filled with mops, buckets and brooms. Knox steps to the back of the space where the far wall is lined with cleaning supplies. Gripping the wooden frame, he heaves the shelves to one side. They slide away with ease. It reminds me of those haunted houses, you know, the movies where you pull on a wall sconce and a secret passageway appears. I lean in closer. What's back there, exactly? Knox flips another switch and an ancient light bulb flickers on, revealing what looks like an old-fashioned elevator inside the wall. Huh? I definitely didn't know that existed. And Ella and I have been snooping around this particular building for ages. I take a few tentative steps into the broom closet, and sure enough, there's definitely an elevator in here. It's one of those ancient thingles with a gate for a door. The elevator leads to the basement. What I need to show you is in there. That doesn't sound sketchy. Trust me. If there was an easier way to do this, I'd take it. Knox holds the gate open and gestures past it. You still in? Sure. I tiptoe around the maze of buckets and brooms until I reach what once was the back wall. I stare into the small elevator. This thing is an ancient and old dusty mess. When was the last time anyone inspected this monstrosity or even cleaned it? My stomach gets all fluey. It's like I'm riding a Ferris wheel at top speed. I may be afraid of falling. Ella says I'm a wimp when it comes to heights. I always tell her I'm wise and cautious about vertically challenging situations. Are you sure it's safe? I ask. I'm pretty sure it isn't. Why? Are you scared? That pushes my buttons in a big way. I refuse to let anything stop me from discovering the truth. Even if that something is a scary-ass elevator that looks like it was assembled with popsicle sticks and glue. Not at all. I stride inside. The elevator rocks wildly the second my heels touches the floor. Grabbing onto the dusty metal grid that serves as the elevator's walls, I let out a very unladylike yipes. 
The floor wobbles, says Knox. You think? I'm grabbing onto the metal grid so tightly, it's cutting off my circulation in my fingertips. Don't worry, this won't take long. Knox steps into the elevator and pulls the accordion-style doorway shut. Nothing in this thing is solid metal. The grid-like walls seem about as sturdy as a chain-link fence. And that door looks like it could crumple any second. My pulse races. Knox starts pulling on some levers along the ceiling and the elevator lurches to life. I'm not going to lie. At this point, I freak out like a total sissy. Without even thinking about it, I wrap my arms around Knox's waist, bury my nose in his neck and squeeze my eyes shut. Tell me when it's over. He lets out a rumbling chuckle. I will. A few seconds pass during which I dig my nails into Knox's back. Why aren't we moving? We're, uh, stuck. Something about his words just smell off to me. Although I can't imagine why I'm smelling sentences. You're totally lying. Well, yeah. He wraps his right arm around me, resting his heavy palm on the small of my back. Uh-oh. I'm in a broom closet. Elevator thing with knocks. My body is pressed against his very firm and super rugged self. Worst of all, he smells unbelievably amazing. I try to firm up my resolve. This is the part where I tell him he's a jerk and I step away. Maybe I slap him on the cheek, like in an old time movie. Or I could at least yell at him to start the stupid elevator again. But I do none of those things. Standing here and being held really is simply way too nice. Knox lowers his left arm from the levers in the ceiling. His fingertips brush along my jawline with his thumb running across my lower lip. My insides flip his Dutch and it's not necessarily a bad feeling. Little by little, Knox guides my face upward so I'm no longer nuzzling his neck but staring into his eyes. He has these ice blue irises. I've never noticed before. But there's a lot of gold in them as well. I want to kiss you, Bri. His voice is a deep rasp that's so strong I feel it in my chest too. I try to think of something romantic and magical to say. After all, I'm pretty sure I'm about to have my first kiss. It feels like there should be some ceremony. Instead, all I can think about is how Knox has a really human-looking mouth. So all my plans for verbal fireworks go out the window. I only whisper a simple word. Okay. Our lips meet in the barest touch. Excitement zings through me. I fist the fabric of Knox's t-shirt. Someone growls. I think it might be me, which is super weird. Although I've never done this before, so maybe growling is totally normal. I could not care less either way. Because we're now both opening our mouths as we move past the gentle brushing stuff. I'm not going to lie, it feels amazing. Knox angles my head and I go with his lead. His tongue licks along my bottom lip and my knees turn wobbly beneath. For for the record, I really wish I had started kissing earlier in life. Because if this is what I've been missing out on, I'm downright nuts. Some kind of connection forms between us. It's so intense, it could even be supernatural. My blood heats in ways I've never imagined. A voice echoes up through the elevator shaft below our feet. Noxy poxy, my sweetest little doxy. I break the kiss. What was that? 
Nock shifted his stance, moving, until our foreheads leaned together. Sorry about him. The nasal voice sounds again. Noxes, boxes, munch and scrunch, who's coming to bring me lunch? That's a grown man, and if I'm not mistaken, he's also very, very insane. Let me try again. Who is that? He's who I'm bringing you to see. Knox raises his arm to grab another lever in the ceiling. He brushes a gentle kiss across my mouth. I'm sorry we got cut off. He stares at the floor. I didn't realise Reggie was weak. Knox yanks down on a lever, and with a lurch, we start to descend. Where does this elevator go? As the words leave my mouth, I realise that maybe a better question before I got into the elevator in the first place. Sub-basement is where we keep our resident Denari, Reggie. That's the one. The elevator floor shimmers beneath my feet and we descend even lower. Why is he down here? I'll let him explain. It's easy that way. The elevator stops with a thud. Knox turns to me. Whatever you do, don't get too close to his cage. Yeah? I nod. Mostly because my throat closed up at the mention of the word cage. Am I right that there's a Denari person down here who's locked up? Possibly against his will. What exactly have I gotten myself into? Knox takes my hand and leads me out of the elevator and into a long corridor with doors on either side. No, these aren't doors. They all have bars on them. They're cells. What exactly is this place? Are you bringing me a girl, Noxie? Girly, twirly, pretty little swirly. Can it, Reggie? Knox turns to me. This used to be an underground prison back in the 1900s. And technically, the city closed it down, but Alec's family cleaned it out and built an elevator to it. That happened sometime in the 1930s. That long ago? Warlocks and witches lived for a long while. Alex's parents didn't start a family until they were well over a hundred. But their bios online say they're both only in the forties. Yeah, well, let's just say that's not exactly accurate. Knox glances at me over his shoulder. You aren't the only one with criminal skills, Bri. I shrug. Makes sense, actually. Changing your birthday and life history isn't a big deal. So long as you have the money for a good hacker and forger. I try to ignore the fact that the muscles in my back are bunching up with fear. This Reggie guy sounds terrifying. Knox steps in front of one of the cells. And here we are. The place is a prison cell, like the others. A single light bulb hangs from the ceiling and illuminates a pool of brightness on the centre of the stone floor. A figure sits in the shadows just beyond the circle of light. Reggie. All I can see of the guy is a shiny wingtip Oxfords. Wait a second. Oxfords? Coming out, Reggie. Orders and Ox. And no singing. If you insist. There's a long squeal as Reggie's metal chair slides behind him. He stands up and strides towards a wall of metal bars that mark the edge of his cell. I can't believe what I'm seeing. I don't know what I expect a Reggie to look like, but this wasn't it. The guy, well, is wearing a three-piece suit made out of grey wool. It's a high-waisted kind that was popular back in the 1950s. He's topped off the look with a matching fedora. I take a half-step backward. 
is dressed just like Madame. They both could have fallen out of the same 1950s ad for toothpaste. I'm Reginald Winston the Second. Reggie to my friends. He extends his hand through the bars. Knox sets his palm on my stomach, guiding me further toward the opposite wall and away from Reggie. She's not touching you. Pity. Reggie has that clean-cut, mannequin-like quality, which also reminds me of Madame. Brown hair, blue eyes and skin that's so porcelain smooth it's downright creepy. There are a few flecks of greatest temples. She looks delicious. She's here to find out more about the Denari, and nothing more. Is that all? Well, most Denari are fine, upstanding citizens. You're not, and you know it. I won't say a word. Knox's voice lowers to a growl. Then you don't eat. You're a beast. Absolutely. Fine. Reggie rolls his eyes. If you insist. I was born Regius Paulus Agrippa, lieutenant of the Egypti Legion. I served under none other than Julius Caesar. He gave me a toothpaste, a fresh smile. Does that surprise you? My mind whirls at this information. You've been alive for 2,000 years. Correct. No, that doesn't totally surprise me. He half lowers his eyelids in a mood that says he thinks I'm full of crap. And why is that? Julius Caesar burned the Library of Alexandria. That's where the only four copies of the Book of Magic were stored. Whatever is keeping you alive for so long, it must have to do with the spells in that book. Quite right. You're not as infantile as you look. Knox bears his teeth. Watch it, Reggie. My curiosity about this situation seems to overpower any fear about who Reggie is. It certainly short-circuits any worries about him insulting me. I give Knox's forearm a pat. Touching him feels so natural. I don't even think twice about it. It's okay, Knox. I refocus on Reggie. Were you with Caesar when he burned the library down? Yes, and together we saved the Book of Magic. I straighten my shoulders. Here comes the big question. My skin prickles with goose flesh. How exactly have you stayed alive so long? That is the mystery, isn't it? The answer was in those papri. Julius had to torture the priest for hours to get them to translate it for us. It was all hidden in code and special hieroglyphs. Coding, boarding, hiding and reloading. Enough, Reggie, warns Knox. Just answer the question. Reggie grins, showing a mouth of inhumanly perfect teeth. If I could have answered that, I would have already. Truth is, I don't know how the process of immortality works. I just know that it does. I wasn't awake when they did it to me. My fear comes back with vengeance. My pulse thumps so hard I feel it in my skull. What did they do to you? It's easier if I show you. Reggie tips his hat to Knox. Do I have your permission? Ask her, Knox smells. Reggie resets his hat and turns to me. I'll need to remove my jacket and shirt to show you. Is that acceptable? Yes, it's fine. I'm proud of how calm my voice sounds. Because inside, my fight or flight response has kicked in big time.
Then I shall show you. With calm movements, Reggie slips off his jacket and matching vest. After that, he loosens his tie, and buttons the top of his shirt, and pulls them back over his head. With that done, Reggie steps right under the light and lifts his arms wide. Behold my perfection. I set my hand over my mouth to hide my gag reflex. I've seen chess wounds like this before. The zigzag incisions are unique to a certain kind of mummy making from ancient Egypt. I always thought that the only priests of Isis made these cuts, but I could never be 100% certain. Not until now, that is. Images appear in my mind. The code and message from the papri that I translated today. Living forever as a mortal, only in mummy form. And this guy's doing just that. You're a mummy. My words come out. Yes, I underwent the process. Back in 48 AD. He touches various body parts as he speaks. I've no heart, stomach or lungs. He taps his temple. My brains are gone as well. At least in physical form. Enough of my research instincts is left. That I don't scream and run. So, have you alive? I should think that's obvious. An evil smile rounds his mouth. But if you can guess, or if you can't guess, I'll tell you. With that, my research instinct dies a quick death. That creepy smile is all I need to know, really. I raise my hand in the universal sign for shut up. You know what? I'll pass. But Reggie keeps right on going. I must consume organs from someone else. Preferably another human. An animal will do in a pinch, however. Yuck, yuck, and a thousand times, yuck. I turn to Knox. Is this true? I'm afraid so, yeah. He sets his hand on the back of his neck, and then my neck. The touch is warm and centering. Is this too much? You want to go? My head is spinning, but I don't feel an episode coming on, so it seems safe enough for now. Plus, if I leave here... I'm not sure I'll ever come back and ask more questions. Best to get it all done. I make myself look at the living mummy again. Why are you here? Why sigh? Try sky. Why does the pretty girl ask me why? No playing around, orders Knox. Tell her how you ended up here. I'm a little unbalanced. My fellow Denari decided to put me out of my misery. He cups his hand by his mouth and speaks in a fake whisper. They wanted to kill me. Knox rubs his thumb in calming an ox on the back of my neck. I run a sort of sideline killing evil Denari. I ran across Reggie in Africa. He was slated to be killed, so we made a deal. I retrieve these fine accommodations, says Reggie. In exchange, exchange, I'm delivered regular meals of raw animal organs. I also provide informations and demonstrations when they are required, as they are right now. I force out my next question. What happens if you don't eat? Then I look like what the typical mummies you see in movies look like. But that's rare. My kind are very good at finding substance gross and you don't remember anything about how you were changed reggie starts dressing himself which i totally appreciate 
I wasn't exactly a willing part of the process, originally. Someone battered me over the head, and when I woke up, immortality! If you truly wish the answer to that question, you'll need to find the Book of Magic and read it yourself. And why are you called the Denari? We follow Julius Caesar, and his face is on the Denari coin. Although he goes by the name of Jules these days. Jules? My mouth falls open. The coin part I somewhat expected, but the fact that the man himself is still running around, not so much. He's alive? I can't seem to wrap my head around this fact. Julius Caesar is alive. I look at Knox. Really? Yeah. I've been hunting the guy for years. Never seen him. But he's out there. The man is a hard to pin down. I'm still stuck on my history lessons from forever ago. I thought they stabbed him to death. Reggie resets his fedora. Oh, oh, they most certainly did. After that, Jules ate some brains and was all well again. The Senate did him a favour, actually. Our lifestyle requires a public death every 50 years or so. How many of you are there? That I wouldn't know. Jules makes as many denarii as he wants, and he's the only one who can. The Book of Magic was the sole place that held the information. After Jules learned the tricks of the trade, as it were, he burned the book. Jules' tools, pretty little fools. Reggie races forward until his body slams into the bars of the cell. It makes me jump. Cut it out, Reggie. You're scaring her. But Reggie keeps right on going. His eyes seems to bug out of their sockets. He stares at me so hard. Bye. Sigh. Pretty little cry. Your wedding day is when you die. Every muscle in my body tenses. According to my live template, I'm supposed to get married by sundown on my birthday. That's Saturday, which is a little over 24 hours from now. I'm not marrying anyone. Knox's voice lowers to a menacing growl. That's enough, Reggie. Say one more thing and you won't eat for a week. Reggie tilts his head back and lets out a laugh that can only be described as, um, manical. I don't speak. Jules does. He flaps his arms up and down. We're all his puppets on strings. That's it, Reggie. No food for a week. You want to suffer longer? Keep it up. Knox says other things to Reggie, but all I can focus on is the name you just shared. Jules. Julius Caesar. The concrete walls start to press in on me. My chest tightens. Silver pulses flash on my periphery of my vision. It's there again. That damned lockdown container inside the deepest part of my being. The magical box of Colonel Mara's curse. I'm going to have another episode. I reach my bag. There's nothing there. I left my purse behind. I grip Knox's shoulder. Need my bag. Desk. Episode. Inhaler. After that... The world turns hazy. I'm vaguely aware of Knox's arms around me as I fight to stay awake. And that is the next chapter of the wonderful Briar Rose. And boy, is it getting interesting now, guys. Thank you for listening and many blessings.